Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone. Greet them today. Good to see you. God bless you. Glad to have folks back. Folks that have been out with illnesses and travel and so forth. It's good to have you back. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. The next big event we're going to have in our church is the Men and Boys Beast Feast. This is an annual uh, activity that we have the first Saturday in March every year. We have discovered a tremendous outreach to reach people outside of our four walls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They get to eat free meals made from wild game and domesticated foods as well. We have venison provided. And let me just say, uh, as we pass the sign-up boards in a few moments, there's a sign-up, the top sheet is sign-up for food that is to prepare venison in a variety of ways. Now, you can cook venison and prepare it, but you can cook it like you cook beef. And uh, we have seen spaghetti and meatloaf and sweet and sour and barbecue and all kinds of variety soups and uh, stews of venison. And we provide the venison because of our great and generous hunters. They're good at what they do, and they're generous at providing it. And that will be distributed the week prior to March the 2nd. March the 2nd is a Saturday, and there will be 1 o'clock activities outdoors, weather permitting, that will include bow shooting, and likewise, it will include fly casting for accuracy and other games as well. Men and boys, both. At 4 o'clock, we come indoors downstairs. It's, it's relaxed dress. We're glad for all those who come. Bring your guests. Bring all the guests you want to, but men and boys only. The ladies will be preparing the food. They will have their activity the last Saturday of April, and that will be announced later on. But we have sign up for food, for venison dishes. We will also have other types of wild game and fish. We will have... Uh, a domesticated food, we'll have hot dogs, hamburgers, etc. And side dishes, you bring cooked vegetables or salad and desserts. Everybody bring desserts. Everybody do that. We're going to be passing four sign-up boards, and so let's do that right now. Men, if you would come and down each section, pass the sign-up board. Everybody sign up. The top is for food and preparation and bringing of food. Underneath it, on each of the boards, there is a participation sign-up. So put your name and your information and how many are coming in what age groups. Take a few moments to do this correctly, and we will appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much. Now, we have uh, all these bundles of flyers to go out. We're going to be mailing out. We're going to be putting on doors as well, these flyers. But we want you to speak to all of your family, friends, all the men and boys you meet, everybody whose path you cross, people at work, people in your entire neighborhood. And you can take an entire packet. How many, sweetie, how many in a packet? 25 in a packet. So you can get a whole packet of 25, or you can get, we have uh, broken packets here, if you would like to take uh, less than the 25. So we'll keep the completed packets on the bottom, the broken packets on top, and we're going to have the men come once again and distribute these and you can say, I'll take one, I'll take five, I'll take whatever. Everybody gets one, okay? Everybody gets one. Pass those out if you would please. Pass these out if you would please. Everybody gets one of these, so you can share it. You can put it up. You can share it with others as well. Very good. And I plan to take some with me wherever I go. 
and we are going to have a great turnout for that particular day. Now, just so that you know, there is a drawing at the end. doesn't cost any money. We don't charge anybody for this. And so when they come, everybody is going to be filling out a registration tag, and uh, we give away a number of, of uh, wonderful prizes. We have some firearms, and those are only given to people of, of age, of majority age. But uh, if they draw and choose that, or uh, rods and reels, or other, uh, other hunting items, uh, things that will help them, all the way down to fishing lures and, and different uh, uh, game items as well. We have one individual who comes and donates basketballs and soccer balls and all kinds of different things. And so it's going to be great. Bring the boys, all right? So it's for men and boys. Ladies volunteer to do some cooking, some preparing, some helping. All those crews are going to be put together in the coming days. Put those extras in the back, gentlemen. Thank you so much. You that are online, uh, you can find out more about this, and we would love to hear from you as well. But so glad that you're going to be a part of this. Plan now to be a part of it. All right. Tina is going to be out in the foyer as you exit today, and she is ready to give you your 2023 donation records. And uh, you can get uh, your updated information contact to her uh, so that she can have that uh, information in the office. And so please stop at the table and see uh, Tina after the service. Also, tomorrow, the faithful men will be meeting right here at 7.30. You can meet virtually. Let Tyler know that that's the case, and he'll hook you up. So the faithful men meeting tomorrow evening, 7.30. We will have chairs here for our meeting as we make preparations for our annual report meeting. That will be in mid-February, but the men will be taking up some business and dealing with that. So uh, praise the Lord uh, for the men coming out tomorrow evening at 7.30. Now, today we have services uh, this evening at 6.30. Don't miss it. You're going to be blessed as we bring the message that God has laid upon our heart. So glad that so many will be availing themselves of this opportunity. Now, in front of you, you have a copy of God's Word in hardback. We have these in each of the benches, but also we give these out. And during the months of January and February, we're at the midpoint right now, we receive offerings for those two months at $8 a piece. We can have these hardback Bibles in the hands of third world Christians. In many cases, they've never owned a Bible or complete Bible or one that's sturdy like this. And so we have our offering envelopes on the back of the bench in front of you, the purple writing, give the gift of God's word, $8, we'll put one of these in the hands of a third world Christian. Guess where we are right now? We have collected enough for almost 700 Bibles to go around the world. Praise the Lord. How many will you give? Now, just think, $800 will get 100 Bibles out there. Praise the Lord. Let's break through the next barrier, shall we? And... Uh, Give $8 or $800 or maybe $8,000, whatever God speaks to your heart about. Let's do that when the offering is received. What a great blessing that would be. When you leave today, take a right turn and stop in and see Gwendolyn in the bookstore. We still have a calendar or two left. These are Sword of the Lord calendars, mountaintop, just $6 each. Also, some great books. And we got a new shipment in because we just about sold out the last week's first week shipment 
of David Sorensen's great book, When He Shall Come. Everything you ever wanted to know about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to get it right. And uh, this has been greatly reduced in price. $10 a copy, hot off the press. We've got 10 fresh copies, maybe 11 fresh copies in there. You want to get there first and get yours. We're not making any money on these. Also, Brother Gabe's second book, The 21st Century Leper, we have those in there as well. And Which Bible Would Jesus Use? by Jack McElroy. That'll settle the issue of Bible versions for you forever. So I hope you'll pick up a copy. Uh, we're spreading them everywhere we possibly can. So I hope you'll stop by. A lot of exciting things. I, I see the, the little kids and the big kids like to come to the bookstore. There's always a lot of enjoyment, a lot of good, helpful items there. All right, so how to be blessed. You that are viewing online, God bless you. Uh, he has blessed you, I'm sure. But um, what, what do we need to know about being blessed? At the bottom of the inside page of your bulletin, it says, praise, don't complain. Praise, don't complain. Now, fasten your seatbelts, folks. What I'm going to tell you isn't going to make us glad right away. It might make us sad or mad right away, but hopefully we'll get right, then we'll be glad. Okay? So that's the kind of church you're in. That's the kind of preacher I am. I'm an old-fashioned, old-time, old-past Bible preacher. So don't complain. Praising, now this is something to put up on the wall. Praising God for blessings extends them. Praising God for troubles ends them. That's it. In everything, give thanks. Amen? Amen. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So read about praise and read about trust. All of it there in your bulletin. So thankful that we can do that. We were in Psalm 1 today, and that's where we're going to go. We'll be some other places as well as we make reference to those places in the Bible. You don't have to look very far in the Bible to read about blessings. And yet, if we were just to go to church or go wherever Christians gather, I'm not talking about lost people, it's probably worse, but with Christians and just stand there and be a fly on the wall. Do you ever just do that, just listen? I guarantee you'll hear more griping and complaining than blessing and praising. Amen. Got one amen out of you. Amen. It is so true. It is so true. I have a plaque that says, Thou shalt not gripe. I think I purchased it originally as a smile. And you say, well, wait a minute. I, I, I think I remember most of the Ten Commandments. And I don't remember thou shalt not gripe. Well, it's number 11. No, it's not in there. And you might say, well, if I were God, I would have put it in there. Well, I believe God has put it in there, but not along with the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not gripe. There it is. You just have to be able to connect the dots to find it. Amen. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I've preached on blessing and being a blessing before. And uh, I told you the true story that when he was alive, I had the privilege of making the acquaintance of Mylon Lefevre, the singer. 
Mylon LeFevre was brought up in the LeFevre gospel singing family down in Atlanta, Georgia. He strayed away from the Lord and became a, a heavy drug user and abuser, and he was a rock singer. Uh, but he got right with God, and he introduced something that I don't necessarily put on my list of favorites, but he introduced a style of music that appealed to a generation, and he did some preaching the gospel, and many, many people came to the Lord. But I got acquainted with him, and this just goes to show you. Preacher, you know, if you ever accuse this fundamental preacher of being a legalist, you have absolutely missed the mark. Because I have friends that we agree to disagree with, we have differed with on various points, and Mylon and I differed on things. He said, preacher, if you have me come to your church, I promise you one thing, that he was trying to promise me that it would be outstanding and there would be nothing that would be comparable to it. And I said, what is it, Mylon? What is it you promised me if I have you come to my church? He says, I promise you that I will have the longest ponytail of any preacher you've ever had in your pulpit. And I know you're smiling now because my reason for having a preacher is not about their style. It's about their substance. And, and Brother Milan had some major differences with us on certain doctrines of the Scriptures. And so I didn't want to confuse my sheep. And so Milan never came here to preach. Milan never came here to sing. But we sing his song frequently. Without him, I could do nothing. Amen. I'd be nothing. I'd surely fail without him. Milan the favor. He died this past year. But a couple of years ago on Christmas, he called me on Christmas. Remember that day, sweetie? He called me on the phone, and I talked. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be rude. I mean, he's mild on the favor. He wrote The Million Seller, he, you know. And, uh, but I talked to him for about 40 minutes that day. And he said, you know, we're blessed to bless another. And so I took those words and wrote a, a song to it, blessed to bless another. And I've preached it these number of years. The only reason God blesses us is so we can pass it on. God didn't bless us so that we could just keep it to ourselves. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed. And there are many songs that express that concept of blessing. Make me a blessing. We have it in our hymnal. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so blessed. And uh, many, many other uh, songs about blessings. But today we're talking about how to be blessed, how to be blessed. Even though we find blessed is the man throughout the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. I'm not going there today. I'm staying in Psalm 1 because there's so much here. When it says in Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man, that's not limited to the male gender. The, the word man in its usage here means mankind, anybody who's a human. Blessed is that individual that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You want to be blessed? Make sure that spiritually you're in the right position. The right position. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That's not where we should be getting our advice. That's not where we should be getting our life coaching. You say, well, I can't just run with Christians because there are so few of them, 
And there are so many that are not saved. When it comes to those things that impact the direction of our life, who we are, what we're going to accomplish in life, 100% should come from God's Word and God's people. 100%. Stop getting your counsel from the ungodly. Stop getting your advice from the world. You say, well, here's what I'll do. I'll go to a life coach that's not saved, and I'll take everything that's good, and then I'll add Scripture to it. And people have tried that. They've attempted that. And they have discovered that it's impossible to get a perfect result from an imperfect source. You can absolutely not count on what's given to you that's not in agreement with the Word of God. God has given us this book. It says in the second verse, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now the word delight is an interesting word. That's what excites you. That's what, that's what motivates you. That's what gets you going, gets your heart pumping, and keeps you breathing, and keeps you alive, and keeps you enjoying the quality of life that God has granted. You're in the Word of God, I promise you, you're going to be excited about the things of God. You're in the Word of God, He's going to keep you on the higher plane, on the higher level. Higher ground is what I want. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. You're feeling down in the dumps? You're feeling low down? You feel like you're, you're just walking in the shadows and everything is negative and everything is dark and gloomy? That's because you've allowed that to be the case rather than getting into the Word until the Word gets into you. And when you get into the Word of God, He'll help you see the light in that particular situation. He'll help you see the good thing that's coming from it. Whatever the trial, the tribulation, the difficulty, the blessing may be, God is in your life. If you're in God's Word, God's in your life. That's it. Your delight is in the law of the Lord. Bible, and in His law, the Bible, doth He meditate day and night. Nowhere does it say that we are to read the Bible 24-7. You that know anything about health realize that you've got to sleep a certain number of hours. And you cannot do like the one charismatic woman preacher, quotes around preacher, did she said that the way she took in the Word of God is she took the Bible to bed with her, and she pillowed her head on it. And I think she thought that by osmosis, the Bible would go into her spirit, into her brain. That's not God's plan. That's not God's program. Now, God wants to give His beloved sleep. God wants to give you rest. God doesn't wish your sickness or your illness. God does not wish your suffering. God wants you to have sweet sleep. And He's promised us in the book as my wife has made reference in her tremendous devotions in the morning, that the one who neither slumbers nor sleeps keepeth Israel. Amen. So you go to bed and get your eight hours or six hours or nine hours or whatever you need. You get your sweet rest because God is staying up and He's watching over you and He's taking care of you and He's got it all under control. And He wants you to be well. He wants you to heal. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be able to serve Him to the best of your ability. And if you're not completely well, and if you're not completely healthy, He wants to give you His grace so that you might be able to bear those burdens and those problems and be honed into the place and the position that He wants you to be as you serve Him. Always carry a pocket full of tracks or a purse full of tracks. 
because you never know when you're going to have to go to the ER. Anybody go to the ER? Anybody go to the hospital, urgent care? Yes. Take your tracks with you. Now, one thing you can do for sure, the people who are there can't just get up and leave any old time they want to. They've got to have their appointment. And most often, there is a waiting time, isn't there? So what are you supposed to do if God allows you to go to the ER or the urgent care? Reach into that pocket full of tracks. Reach into that purse full of tracks. Take it out. Go over to this person's. Say, listen, here's a smile for you. Ah, that looks good. Here's a smile for you. Here's a smile. Just pass those out. Tell people that God loves them. God's got a wonderful plan. It's in there between those covers. They can read. Now read that. Do what it says at the end. Pray at the end what it says. Mean it from your heart. And some today could stand and testify that this week they've done that and people have prayed and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. You say, I, I didn't want to go to the doctor. I didn't want to go to the ER. I didn't want to go to the urgent care. I didn't want to go through that experience. I didn't want to experience that difficulty, that trial, that tribulation. There are a lot of things we don't want to do, but the part of us that complains about it is our old nature, our flesh. Thou shalt not gripe. And I'm looking in the mirror. Thou shalt not gripe. Because God permits and allows what's best for us even when we don't want it or think it's best. When our assessment is different from God's assessment, God knows what crowd to put us in. He knows where... Uh, he'll, he'll use us to the greatest of, of our ability and the need of that particular cr uh, crowd or surrounding. So blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now that's kind of blocking the path. I don't know whose path you're blocking, your own or theirs or both. But hanging out with others and getting their attitudes and their opinions is not going to help us to accomplish the the work of God, nor do the business of the king in his kingdom on earth, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice, notice the uh, declining posture. First of all, he's what? Walking. Then he's what? Standing. Then he's sitting. He's going down. She's going down. That's it. God doesn't want us in that particular surrounding just to be a one-man, one-woman pity party. God wants us to serve His purposes for His glory. And we'll understand it better by and by. We get over on the other side. You and I don't understand everything that happens in this world. Uh, you and I may not, uh, we may not lay out the script the way it's going. It may be different from what we thought would be best. But God knows what He's doing and we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. In all our ways, we need to acknowledge Him, and He will direct our paths. He'll direct your path. So don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, if we're going to be blessed, we've got to stay out of those situations. We have to determine that God has something better for us. Dr. Gibbs has asked the question, Attorney Gibbs of CLA, dear friend of ours, a great helper to the Christian community, what would it take for us to stop griping? In other words, what would it take for us to get out of that seat of the scornful? Those that are scorning, those that are griping, those that are complaining, those that are so negative. 
he asks the question, have you ever been around people who use profanity, swear so much that they curse without even realizing it? The profanity has become them. I agree with that. They have become the profanity. The same thing is true with us when we walk in the counsel of the ungodly, when we stand in the way of sinners, when we sit in the seat of the scornful, along with other scorners, other gripers, then eventually we get so used to scorning and griping that the griping becomes us. We become the gripe itself. If we want prosperity, we want blessing, we want success, we want to fulfill God's purpose for us, we've got to get out of that scornful seat. We've got to stop standing with sinners. We've got to stop walking in the counsel of the ungodly in order to be blessed the way God wants to bless us. How does He want to bless us? He wants to make us like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Wow. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to have leaves that are green, representing a vibrant life, a life that attracts the attention of others so that they say, what is your secret? What is your motivation? What's making you so happy and healthy and balanced? And, and what's causing you to have this great attitude about life and this outlook on what you're going through? Everybody's got problems. I know you've got problems too. What's making you so positive? It's not getting a certain book and reading it page after page on positive thinking. It's not, it's not getting the, the CD or the MP3 or the old cassette tape and slapping it in and listening to it uh, with positive affirmations. As good as some of those things may be in a supplemental role, there is nothing that's going to beat what we're talking about today. To be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, we got to get out of the seat of the scornful. we got to get out of standing with sinners. we got to get out of the counsel of the ungodly. we got to get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into us. We've got to become true livers and behaviors as well as believers of the Word of God. It's absolutely true. Mylon was right. We're blessed to bless another. But it stops when we start griping. That's the end of it. We have failed to serve God's purpose and we've started to do the devil's bidding when we insist on sitting in the seat of the scornful. Help me, God, today to get out of that seat. Help me to stop walking with and being around those that are so negative and so upset with life and upset with God. God is not to blame. When you take up that narrative and you get mad at God and you blame God for the way your life has gone, you have taken up with the world. You've taken up with the hell-bound crowd. You're talking just like they talk. You're thinking just like they think. You're going just where they go. And you are doing no more good for the cause of Jesus Christ than if you were a full-blown, lost, hell-bound sinner. Please take it to heart. I'm telling you now, Christians ought to look like Christians, walk like Christians, act like Christians, have the attitude and the speech of Christians. 
says in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always, always. Everybody say always, always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You can't answer everyone according to the hope that lies within you if you're so busy filling your mouth with griping and complaining because life didn't treat you the way that you thought it ought to treat you. And you think God's not fair. And you think this life is unfair. I'm telling you right now, God is not unfair. And life may not seem to be fair. But God is just. And God is right. And we need to trust Him and show this lost and dying world there's a better way to be and to live and to speak than we've been living and being and speaking. We need to determine today, come to this altar when the invitation is given. We need to be a vessel unto honor. We need to be, we need to be a container of praise and thanksgiving that boils and bubbles up and overflows in the abundant life on everybody that's around us. So I, I would think that would be such a contrast. People would think I lost my mind. Hopefully, people would recognize that it's an improvement. I think we could stand to have people sit up and take attention and, and give attention to the fact that we're different than we were. It's time to move, one writer has said. Too many a discontented mourner is spending his days on Grumble Corner, sour and sad, whom I long to entreat to go move to a house on Thanksgiving Street. Amen. Go move to a house on Thanksgiving Street. You come forward today and you say, I'm moving. I'm moving from Grumble Corner to Thanksgiving Street. Come on. I'm moving to Thanksgiving Street. Amen. Amen. I hope you're getting what we're talking about today. That if we're sitting in the seat of the scornful, if we're standing with sinners, if we're getting our counsel from the ungodly, we're never going to be blessed to be a blessing. Why, well, we're just going to go around and compare sour notes with others. Sour notes. Reminds me. I remember when God called us down to South Alabama. And for a couple of years, we taught in a Christian school. And I was hired to put together a band from scratch. The school had several hundred, I think about 500 in the school. Uh, uh, and uh, they, they had a few people that knew how to play some instruments. Maybe they'd been in another school or had taken some private lessons. But basically, nobody knew about band. And, and so I was hired to put together a band. My wife taught flute. And she taught piano, and I taught the other instruments, and we put a band together. And I'll never forget, after I'd given individual lessons, and we got them all together for the first time, we we're going to hit a tuning note. All right? Tap, 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 tap. All right, here we go. We hit our tuning note. Ready? One, two, three. And I went like this. I tried not to grimace, but it wasn't the same note. It wasn't on key. It wasn't right. It was everything... Uh, that you could ever want or not want. They, didn't get, they eventually got on key. By the end of the year, the city, the, the town hall where they did performances was rented. We had the band there and other musicians. And we invited, we gave free tickets out to all the musicians' unions. So all the secular musicians in the area came. They all sat there. And I tapped and had instruments up. And these kids, all of them, with very few exceptions, first year, never touched an instrument prior to that year. 
And with the downbeat, they played a number of familiar songs. You could even tell what they were. And they were on key. They hit the right notes that sounded great. And when it got over, it got a standing ovation. Because they got on key. They got on key. Right now, if you're sitting in the seat of the scornful, everything that's coming out, sour notes. It's not on key. Our life ought to be a symphony. Our, our life ought to tell in beautiful strains the story of God's free gift of salvation, redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. It ought to, it ought to sing out uh, in, a, in beautiful melody and harmony the story of Jesus Christ and what a change He's made in our life. It ought to be that kind of a life. Our life ought to be like a beautiful symphony. And today some of you need to come down the aisle and say, not only am I moving from Grumble Corner to Thanksgiving Street, but I'm also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to produce notes that are like a beautiful symphony. People are going to know that Jesus is alive and real in my life. And I'm not going to grumble anymore. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to take to heart that, that 11th unwritten commandment, Thou shalt not gripe. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to be a complainer or a critic or behave like an unhappy camper all the time. I believe I'm guilty as anyone. It is a sin to gripe. There's a right way to take it to God, and there's a wrong way for us to let it out and gripe. That's it. Conservative Bible scholars say that every time we gripe, we commit up to 130 sins. Sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Rejoice in the Lord always. There goes that one. And again I say rejoice. There goes that one. In everything give thanks. There goes that one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That one too. Neither murmur ye, that one too. If God killed Christians for griping, there would be constant funerals. And the greatest tragedy would be, most of us preachers would be dead. There'd be no one to conduct the funerals. Griping is a sin. When they griped in the Bible, God had very very graphic ways of dealing with them. But griping becomes a habit. And the sin is not griping too much. The sin is griping at all. So let's stop making excuses. And let's just give it to Jesus. And let's say, I'm moving. I'm moving from that whiner's griping corner to Thanksgiving Street. And I'm going to praise Jesus. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. When we gripe, instead of praise, we're stealing. We're stealing the, the glory that belongs to God. And today, if you call yourself a Christian, and I do say, by God's grace, I've been saved. And I want to not gripe anymore. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you today would say, Preacher, 
Something in that message spoke to my heart. Put your hand up. Come on. Something spoke to my heart. Now what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it, folks? Come on down, kneel when the invitation's given and move, move spiritually from that griper's corner to Thanksgiving Street. Come on down and say, Lord, I want what comes out of my mouth not to be a sour, off-key note of griping and complaining and critiquing everything. And instead, I want a symphony, a beautiful symphony to come out of my life that glorifies the Lord. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then right now, won't you call upon the name of the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart. Save me right now. Take away my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. Man has climbed every mountain, no matter how high. He has conquered the planets from sky to sky. But there is a place where man has not been. And that's where my Lord said, he's buried my sin yeah. in the depths of yes. That's it. Removed as the east is west. Far away from all power and principality, my sins are in the depths of the sea. That's it. Amen. Gone are the shackles and gone are the stains. I'm free from bondage free from the chains my sins are separated as darkness from dawn praise God I'm forgiven my sins are all gone Amen. Amen. in the depths of the sea of God's forgetfulness